What's up, friends? We're here today with Top Fives and Deep Dives. I'm Justin. We've got Mike on the other end. Hey, guys. Today, we are doing a Top Five app. We are doing the Top Five, our Top Five favorite rap albums of all time. It's going to get heated today. It's a topic we're both passionate about. It's a big one. It's a big one. And the only guideline is you can't use the same artist twice. Yeah, and the only thing I'll add is that, just to be clear to everybody, we're doing our top five favorite rap albums of all time, not necessarily the top five greatest albums of all time. Though, I know for my list, there's there's some pretty significant crossover there for obvious reasons, but just, you know, go easy on us. Yeah. And there's, there's of course, going to be a few that we felt gutted to leave off the list, and we'll share those with you once we finish. For but sure. I think it's one of those things where we just have to dive in. Let's do it. Let's dive in. Let's I'll, dive I'll, in. I'll take the first leap. A very safe number five, so I'm happy, I'm happy to go first. <laughs> My number five. Favorite album, all time. Ready to Die, Notorious B.I.G. Wow, okay. Well, you sound like surprised. This is not a hot take. No. This is not <laughs> such a hot take. <laughs> it's right. How dare you? You just hear okay. Okay, clearly disapproving, but also just like. Oh, my God. This is How just talking about not even disapproving because this is probably on so many people's top five rap albums all time i wouldn't disapproving isn't the right word it's just not on mine so for me i think it's probably the third greatest rap album of all time okay so yeah it's hard for me to leave it off i mean what can you what can you say about it it's completely underrated production there's like hundreds of samples on this album, all of them great. I mean, B.I.G. Well, you know what? Let's start the controversy right off here. Let's just do it. We're doing we're at number five. Let's just say, for me, I think, I think Biggie, greatest flow in the history of rap music. Wow. Okay. I don't. I don't even think that can be debated. His flow is unbelievable. I mean, there's a reason he's one of the best, and he's one of everybody's best. He's definitely but, one of the best flow. I don't know if he's not my number one, but he's he's up there. And and this album, I mean, obviously we have such a small body of work for, for reasons we all know, but I mean, okay, the radio hits alone on this album, Juicy, Big Papa, Maybe who shot? Yeah, if we're talking about sort of the full like special length album, mm. but just right there. I mean, give me a break. And you can't you can't call the rest like deep cuts per se. But I mean, the what with Method Man, Ready to Die, Give Me the Loot. I mean, Me and My Bitch. I mean, what song in this album is not amazing? All right, there's so many classics. There's so many classics. Everything's classic. It's definitely deserving. Incredible. It's so fucking <laughs> incredible. And then at the end. You know, the whole album is called Ready to Die. And then shortly after he dies, like it's, it immortalizes it in this ridiculous place. And for me, I think the first time I bought this album, 
like actually bought it was in high school uh where I, I remember like not having to go to school because of cap testing you know what you know what i'm talking about because you're from Connecticut. like you like if you were past it if you were like a junior you had to like come in late or like leave her anyway i don't remember but yeah like went to the mall and like bought this album i have no idea why but then just like i have such like fond memories of just like bumping it like all the way home from the mall and subsequently basically forever because i still had a car with a cd player and maybe you know you have that like cd visor like above your you know what i'm talking about like the six visor of course, of like course. above your head and this was always there along with at least one other album on my list and it's just so many good times listening to it listening to the whole thing through never would skip a song it's just absolutely just a beautiful listen dude I mean, I can't fault that at all. It's one of the, it's one, it is one of the all time classics. Juicy and Big Papa, two of the biggest songs in rap ever. For sure. Great entry. I, I can't believe how you reacted to my when, entry. When I go, when now I go, I have to hear when I go, your number. Okay. 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 <laughs> I agree. It's a little basic. I mean, it's, it's an obvious basic. choice. I'm it's not an saying. It's choice, but what are you going to do? And my number five isn't that out of the box either, honestly. It's maybe a little bit slightly newer than that, but not out of the box. My number five is Get Rich or Die Trying by 50 Cent. It's on my list. Wow. So... Get rich or die trying. I mean, okay. Well, that says it all right there. So we agree on this. Um, look, when this album came out, I didn't know who the fuck 50 Cent was. Obviously, before, I think, what, Into Club was the first track to drop from this album, I believe. The music video so. with M and Dre in it. and Such a fucking epic music video. So epic. And... It was like Eminem was introducing this new guy onto the scene. We've got Dre. I mean, the story was just unbelievable where Dre had obviously been the mentor to M and it was like, okay, 50 is now going to be M's protege. He's going to mentor him. And I remember just seeing that music video, hearing the song for the first time, being like, holy shit, this is this is going to be massive. And bought the album the day it came out. I'll never forget it. And holy shit. I mean, when I put that, when I put it on and you just start with the intro into What Up Gangsta, I mean, it's like, holy fuck. Like, let's strap in for this ride. And the first, like, I mean, the, the, the album never, never lets up, but the first seven songs, I'd say, I was absolutely losing it on my first listen. You go, you go into What Up Gangsta, into Patiently Waiting, which has one of my favorite Eminem verses ever, into Many Men, into Into Club into high all the time 
into heat and i fucking love heat i used i know to- you love heat <laughs> such and- a classic and what's crazy about this album is when you get to track 16 17 18 still money bangers and we have to we have to make clear 17 18 and 19 are all technically bonus tracks yeah, how was Wangsta bonus track? Wangsta that track was huge. It's it's because it was on. I think it wasn't it on a soundtrack or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I it's like so. you have Wangsta, you not like me, and life's on the line. Life's on the line. It's like, what a fucking great song! Incredible. You got later in the album. I mean, earlier than those, but later in the regular album, you will say. You know, you have PIMP. You have twenty one questions. You have don't push me with Eminem and Lloyd Banks ending the normal with got to make it to heaven. It's just banger after banger. And for, and I know it wasn't fifties first album, but obviously this was the album that shot him to superstardom. Having the backing of M and Dre, of course helped a lot, but it just, Oh man, I just can, I will never, forget how much i how much i played out this album when it first came out being a massive you know big eminem fan big dr dre fan and just that's what it was by the way wangsta was on the eight mile soundtrack that's where it first popped up um but yeah just this this album is insane i I listen to it to this day and had to be in my top five What's so crazy is that nothing from Fifty ever came close again. Nothing. I mean, we could, you know, we could talk about Massacre, I guess, but like, it's it, this album is so far and away. I'm not gonna say it's like a one hit wonder by any chance, but like, how much better it is than the rest of his albums is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. You don't even know how it's possible, honestly. It doesn't make any sense. It really no. doesn't. No. And it's it, again, yeah, Massacre was probably the next best. But I mean, just nothing even close. Nothing even close. I, I'll save my hot take for when it gets to me. Because that's, that's further up my list. Okay. Okay. The, uh, but yeah, and and I guess just to say, it was technically his first studio album. As I said earlier, oh, it wasn't his first album or anything. But he had put out so many mix, he had put out mixtapes before, so it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was not his first material. But yeah, yeah, anyway, get rich or die trying. That's my number five. What's your number four, Mike? Okay, my number four. I'm I'm just only slightly ahead chronologically from. Uh, my number five, but it's lifestyles of the poor and dangerous big L though. I will automatically, I'll say right away that like this number four spot was going to be big L and I debated a lot whether I like the big picture or lifestyles more. And I ended up with lifestyles, but for me, this album, I wish I could remember when I first heard it probably in like middle school. But I, I I just remember the feeling of listening to this album and being like, wait, how the fuck have I never heard this? 
this is like the greatest shit of my entire life. Like just that feeling of discovery of something that's just monumentally great because it simply just didn't catch on and yet is super famous at the same time. I mean, you just mentioned it. Patiently Waiting has an homage to Big L in it. And it's Big L such like an, an industry, like insider rapper that just never got famous, but is up there with everybody that's ever existed, at least for me. I mean, in this album, so many catchy hooks. I mean, just besides all the things you could say about him in general, that he basically invented horrorcore rap, early pioneer of compound raps in general. I mean, absolutely vicious punchlines, ridiculous flow. I mean, the whole album is just is just incredible. And it's still so good to listen to, to this day. And I'll be the first one to admit that rap from, say, the late 80s up through the 90s, some of it doesn't age that well. It can it can be a little bit corny. There can be, you know, less lyricism, less interesting rhymes as the style was really kind of developing. But this one could carry over forever. And and all of the songs are so catchy. I mean, put it on, MVP, Street Struck, The Graveyard. I mean, they all have catchy hooks. And this this CD just plays so well cover to cover. I cannot say enough good things about it. And and honestly, I think this this is another album, or at least another, you know, Big L himself, I think is definitely in the conversation for a lot of people that really love rap. Um, I mean, no, he never necessarily had the mainstream success of a lot of these other rappers, but anyone that likes anyone that truly loves hip hop knows Big L and loves Big L. For right. sure. So, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very respectable choice. I think anyone would respect having a Big L album in the top five of all time. Big big shout out to, to Joe Teague. Oh, my God. When Joe Teague and I met in Ireland, it was basically discussing Big L. And it was like, oh, all right, this guy's going to be okay. We get it. Hey, if Joe Teague's out there listening ever... We love you and we miss you. We, we really do. do. Tiki baby. We love Tiki you. Tiki baby. All right. Speaking of, speaking of our old friend Joe Teague, I got to give a little shout out to another another guy that he lived with, Freddie O'Brett, because there was, there was a certain rapper Freddie was just obsessed with. And my number four is an album by said rapper. Definitely an album that is on many, many, many top five best rap albums of all time lists. And I think it makes a lot of sense why. Because I think it is one of the greatest of all time. It's Illmatic by Nas. And this is probably the one album of albums that are on every fucking top five list of rap albums that I, I couldn't, there's no way I could leave it off because I absolutely love it. I, I actually didn't listen to it fully through until I met my friend Freddie in college. Um, 
and he was so he he loved Nas so much that we would listen at his place all the time. Then he eventually moved into a bigger house with some guys, including our friend Joe Teague. And still always blasting this album, always blasting Nas in general and a lot of great rap. But I absolutely love this album. Only 10 songs and he doesn't waste a second. I mean, starting with the Genesis, going straight into New York State of Mind, Life's a Bitch, The World is Yours. I mean, those three songs, New York State of Mind, Life's a Bitch, and The World is Yours, right there. You just have some of the most legendary songs in rap, in my opinion. And I just, I love, I love every song. I love everything about this album. I love the lyrics. I love the production. I I absolutely love it. And I, I have to say, in 20, so it came out in 94. And in 2014, Nas did a couple little 20th anniversary things for the album. I was lucky enough, I was at Coachella that year, and he played the album front to back super late at night there. It was It was, I believe, the last set of the night on the stage he was on played the album fully through and it, it was unfucking real i mean everyone was just going nuts singing every word rapping every word along with him and i'll never forget he finishes up the album and obviously the beef between him and jay-z had been such a long running thing with their different their different diss songs and whatnot. And Jay-Z just comes out at this Coachella performance and they just do they just do uh they do dead presidents together. Just insane. Wow. And the place just went fucking ape shit. And obviously at that point, I believe the feud had been over, I believe, for quite a while. But still, I mean, when you when you talk about these guys, when you think of them feuding, that's the feud you think of for each for Jay-Z, for Nas. You think, oh, yeah, fucking Jay-Z and Nas, you know, they had this song, that song. What was it? That was Nas's uh, ether. Was that the, was that the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but just fucking illmatic man i love it i still listen to it to this day and i I think it's one of the all times can't can't really argue with that with you there To, to, to be honest i mean illmatic was one of the visor cds in my saturn but uh over time i've i've fallen out of love with it a bit which isn't to say that it's a bad album by any stretch, but I feel like maybe five, ten years ago it would have been here, and it's it's maybe closer to like twenty for me now. Okay. I mean, you're a nut. You're a nut job, but okay. I I recognize that that's not going to be a popular opinion, especially when you hear what my number three is. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I feel like we've been playing it pretty safe. And okay. frankly, my number two and my number one are pretty safe as well. So my number three 
based on a true story, two chains. What? Uh, uh, and I'll also shout out True Religion mixtape, which came out just before this. Uh, okay, so first of all, I love Two Chains. He is my favorite rapper of all time, more than more than other people on this list, which we'll talk about. Are you serious? I love, I love trap music. I cannot get enough of it. Second point. I think a lot of so this album actually went platinum, which most people don't realize. But this was basically the album that had all of the hits that made Two Chains big. This is the first album um, that came out after changing his name to Two Chains. But this had No Lie on it, Birthday Song, I'm Different, Extremely Blessed. However, the back half of the album is absolutely fucking incredible. Stop Me Now, featuring Dollar Boy, his partner from Play a Circle. Money Machine in town featuring Mike Posner. So there you go. Ghetto Dreams, Scarface, and John Legend in that track. Absolutely incredible. Countdown with Chris Brown. Like Me, one of my favorite 2 Chain songs, and I Feel Good. And then also Riot, which was like sort of re-released on this album. Absolute bangers all the way throughout. Completely underrated album. But really... I, so I moved to Chicago in 2012, uh, let's see, about a month to the day before this album came out, and I spent a long time commuting two hours each way to my job, so four hours per day of commute, and this album and True Religion mixtape kept me fucking going on the bus, on the train, on every public transit form you could ever take for so long, keeping my head up, getting beaten down by the real world in the Chicago cold. I will be forever indebted to two chains for just getting me through that dark time. Wow. First of all, I can't, at all attack the personal nature of this, which very touching, very touching. But I am flabbergasted right now. I just personally, and this is where, Mike, we differ a little bit in the rap world. I just, I hate trap. Not into it. I think 2 Chains is garbage. I literally almost spit out my monster. <laughs> Thanks, monster alert. Shout out, monster again. Oh. <laughs> oh, love, love a good monster. Love a good monster. Um, you're a monster right now, telling me that Two wow. Chains is third best album all time rap. No, favorite, favorite. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Favorite, favorite, favorite. Um, wow. Favorite wow. rapper of all time, Two Chains. More, I, more than the men we'll talk about, undoubtedly. Soon. I cannot believe that. I am mind blown. But that's what this list is all about. So, number three, my number three. Uh, I'd say it's not going to be as shocking as that, but I thought a lot about what album it was going to be by this next artist that made the top five and 
there is another album I love by him, but we're talking about rap right now. That album I don't think quite fits the bill. So, oh, interesting. I, I went with, and I'll I'll reveal that, but it really wasn't a hard decision at the end of the day which album to pick. It's number three, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Kanye. West. Oh wow! Okay. So. I fucking love this album. And I'll say the album I was referencing before is Heartbreak, which I know back in the day was an extremely hot take and to really like that album. Now, not so much seeing how much it influenced the, you know, the genre for many years to come and even today, but I don't consider it. I mean, yes, it obviously falls in the rap hip hop realm, but it's not what I think of when I think rap. So, and sometime within the last like two years, you and I both came to the same conclusion that we just love that album like way more than everybody else. Absolutely, just absolutely love it. I mean, that album front to back is insane to me. I saw him do it live, uh, front to back, a few years ago at the Hollywood Bowl in L.A., and it was unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. Um, he made like a play out of it and everything. Unfortunately, now he's lost his fucking mind lately. But that's that's another story. Um, but my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, I truly will never forget when it came out. Just massive album, massive. I'll never forget. I believe it was Rolling Stone who had the what was it who had the review come out where they literally gave it a perfect five stars i think like everyone gave it it was like it was like what was it entertainment weekly gave it like an a which they like rarely do i think rolling stone though was was the one that i'll never forget they gave it a perfect five wrote this whole thing said it was like the best album of the year and maybe one of the best of the past decade and i listen to this thing and it's just that opening with dark fantasy can we get much higher oh i mean it was literally biblical i mean funny funny that he's taken such a religious approach these days but it was fucking mind-blowing when it dropped and it was just full of absolute bangers from that right into gorgeous with kid cuddy and raekwon power then all of the lights then you had you had the next two tracks just had insane features you had monster which had jay-z rick ross Nicki minaj and bon Iver. And then you had So Appalled with Swiss Beats, Jay-Z again, Pusha T, um, RZA, and um, I'm going to butcher this name. Saiha the Prince? Saiha. Saiha. Saiha the Prince. That was that was, that was was very amateur hour of me. Um, Shout out Jack of All Trades mixtape. Shwiggy. <laughs> Prince of All Jacks, um, or whatever it's called. Go ahead. You had Devil in a New Dress then with Rick Ross. I mean, then you had, to this day, I'd say possibly Kanye's magnum opus, Runaway. 
You had hell of a life. You had blame game with the unbelievable Chris Rock vocals, and it also had John Legend, I think, on that one. And then you you had Lost in the World with Bon Iver, and and that was just such a different song from everything else then on the album, but just such a beautiful way to sort of tie it up. Although then, of course, it gets tied up with Who Will Survive in America. The whole thing was just, it was unbelievable. It hit on so many levels. I felt like it took us into a new a new era of rap. I mean, yes, on the one hand, 808s did. It gave us that entire next decade of your Drakes and whatnot. But My Beautiful Dark was just so fucking good in every sense like it pushed the boundaries of rap it the production was insane every song sounded so different like there were some ridiculous a few ridiculous verses on there i know kanye is not like the ultimate wordsmith or anything but it was it was huge and i think it's i think it's a a piece of rap history that people will never forget. And unfortunately, I personally think he's butchering his legacy a little bit right now with how he's been, but and I and I've stood by Kanye for a long time. I stood by him through almost everything. And it's just in the past year that I've been a little bit like, "All right, I I don't think I can fucking do this anymore." But hey, I'm still holding out hope that whatever the hell is going on with him he makes some more epic music in the future and i uh i also have to say i'm a really big fan of life of pablo i'm a massive life of pablo guy so it was hard it was hard to it was hard in a sense to pick which kanye album i wanted to feature on this list because he's one of my favorite rappers i had to have him on here but at the end of the day it also wasn't that hard because i'd say most people would admit this is his masterpiece um michael would not admit that wow. i would not admit that. so i have well it's a testament to the man it's not a negative thing because i have in my honorable mentions bucket where i have millions of albums that i had to choose from i mean late registration college dropout graduation 808s it just hard to beat it's hard to beat that yeah i don't know what to say i couldn't i couldn't ever pick one but the run there is just incredible. It is. It absolutely is. I think personally for me, his run, I'm not as crazy about Yeezus as everyone else is, but I'd say his run through Pablo, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Yeezus stick in there because I think it has some unreal songs on there, but that run for me is just insane, starting with starting with College Dropout. Wow. Okay. All right. So my number two, we have talked about Scare Rich or Die Trying. Oh, okay. I've saved some things to say about it. Wow. And I'll I'll save my hottest of hot takes for the end. But yeah, I mean, you you spoke about it. 50, he crushes every single song, which given the volume of songs is just impressive in itself. I think it has just the right amount of features. You know, there's plenty of singles that are just him, but you got M on there twice. 
Like My Style with Tony Yayo, Bloodhound with Young Buck. I mean, 21 Questions, obviously, Nate Dog. I mean, Don't Push Me, you get Lloyd Banks in there. It's It's got just like the perfect little touches of features while giving 50 plenty of room to breathe. The production's absolutely perfect all the way throughout, and I expect nothing less with the watchful eyes of Dre and M. The, what he's able to do in terms of like delivering, you know, the, the hardest like drug dealer, like violent shit in like many men or got to make it to heaven. Don't push me. I mean, there's so many tracks that are just like, I mean, he got hit like I got hit, but he ain't fucking breathing. Hit my wisdom tooth and I to spit it out. I mean, there's so many goddamn good lines. But then, but then, I mean, Indy Club, P-I-M-P, 21 Questions, Wangsta. I mean, so many like high-level radio hits that were absolutely yep. fucking massive. I, if I can. Go. If I can. If I can. Oh, yeah. Do it, homie. It can't yeah. be done. And that's not even to talk about, yeah, them patiently waiting. Like, wow. this, it just goes so deep. And my my hot take on this song, I mean, this album, is I have for many years maintained that Get Rich or Die Trying is the greatest album of all time of any genre. Wow. It's not my favorite. It's number two here. I think it's the greatest album of all time. I, I've spent so many times listening to it. I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of times. I'm yet to find the thing about it that I don't like. You want to know what's crazy, Mike? As as you were just talking about it for the last couple minutes, I literally was looking at my list and I was like, you know what? Like, And I'm not changing my list by any means, but I'm just saying I was looking at it while you were describing it and yeah. thinking about it myself. And I was like, it honestly might be my number three or two because I don't know if I know another album in existence with as many hits as Get Rich or Die Trying. It's it's hard to say. And like, I don't know where the where the dull spot is. Like there there isn't. There isn't. Yeah. Like if you look at the track list, there really is not. Like it it does not stop. I would say if I had to pick a spot, I'd say Maybe for me, maybe like, maybe like Bloodhound back down or like Poor Little Rich for me is not one of my favorites. I don't know. I don't, I mean, again, I think Back Down and Poor Little Rich are the two weakest songs, which, but they're not even bad. They're, they're still fantastic. And again, that's out of 19 tracks. You're talking yeah. about the whole album. It's like what up gangsta, patiently waiting many men, into club, high all the time, heat if I can't, PIMP, like my style, 21 questions, don't push me, gotta make it to heaven, Wangsta, you not like me, life's on the line. Every single one of those songs is an absolute banger. I yeah. just it's insane. And it's the fact so that the first eight so songs, the first eight songs, it is such an assault on just the senses because it's so fucking good 
it blows my mind that there's not a there is not a moment to breathe for at least the first eight songs. It's it's truly incredible. Dude, what a fucking pick. Wow. After that legendary explanation, my number two, which may fall a little bit further from the tree, at least from what we've mostly been talking about. But one of my absolute favorite albums of all time is Man on the Moon, The End of Day by Kid Cudi. Okay, go ahead. So when I first was making this list, when I think rap, I don't necessarily immediately jump to Kid Cudi. He's, you know, got a little more of an alternative flair to him. He does, he's, he's out of, he, you know, he's, a, he's an out of the box guy. And with that said, I think most people would include him in the realm for sure. And this album just, this, this changed things for me, this album. You know, I can talk about 808s by Kanye. I can talk about my beautiful dark for, you know, again, they came out right around the similar time as this album. This album came out in 2009, but this album changed my perspective on rap and where it could go. And I will never, ever forget listening to it. We were, you know, Mike and I were both in college at Boston university at the time day and night had come out. I believe the year prior in 2008 came out, good deal before this album actually dropped i think it was like a year year and a half before but um you know cuddy had worked with kanye on 808s and heartbreak which had come out the year prior he was on um what tracks welcome to heartbreak and a couple others that he had at least written on if if, if he wasn't on it as well his voice but this album drops and it's just such an unbelievable like front to back. I'm telling a story with my album album. And I love I love the album as a concept. You know, I I personally hate that these days certain artists will just release singles or that it's become a more single oriented world or you know, they'll drop EPs or whatever. I like the album. I like when you can put on an album front to back and it takes you on a journey. And that is exactly what this album does for me. And even more so, I'd say, than any of the other out. Al- yeah, than any of the albums I've mentioned prior. Get Rich or Die Trying, holy shit, it, it doesn't let up. It's unbelievable. And there is obviously a pacing to it. But it doesn't tell a story for me like Man on the Moon does. And I can say the same thing about Illmatic and the same thing about My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. This this album, you know, it opens within my dreams and just it takes you on. It takes you another place. I mean, soundtrack to my life songs massive. I'll never forget the first time hearing it. It just. Cuddy wasn't afraid to talk about, you know, his feelings and 
sort of dive into a realm that other rappers, other hip hop guys weren't really interested in diving into, you know, talking about sort of his, his feelings, his mental health issues, his, his hopes, his fears, his drug induced trips, you know, he, he really goes everywhere in this album. And I love the whole thing. You know, I, you got Solo Dolo, Heart of a Lion, such an amazing song right there. You've got, I'm just naming some of the, some of the tracks, but obviously you have Day and Night. You've got Sky Might Fall, Enter Galactic, which I, I love. I think that song's unbelievable. Um, and then you have him bringing Ratatat and MGMT, MGMT onto the album which it's like, okay, you're bringing these really sort of popular, more electronic-leaning, sort of alternative indie electronic guys on here. And it's it's awesome. Like, what he's able to do with that is so great. He's got a live with Ratatat. And then, of course, Pursuit of Happiness, probably his biggest song ever to this day, with MGMT and Ratatat. And again, that's another song. I'll never forget the first time I heard it fucking unbelievable just an anthem for a whole generation of kids i think and shout out to the, the steve aoki remix which is awesome too but uh yeah just shout out to steve aoki in general yeah, a damn hustler. Cake, jesus such a hustler cake us in the face kid cake, cake us in the face steve aoki i almost said kid cutty um but a couple other tracks i gotta shout out you got cutty zone Fucking unbelievable. One of my favorite tracks on the album. You've got Maker Say with Kanye in common. Love that track. Yep. You've got Higher with Chip Chip the Ripper. And you've got Up, Up, and Away to finish off the regular version of the album, which, again, one of my favorite songs. Probably if I had to, if I had to choose a top five from this in no order, it'd be Up, Up, and Away, Pursuit, Cuddy Zone. Uh... It is hard. I'm giving you six. I'd go Intergalactic, Heart of a Lion, and Soundtrack to My Life. But I love this album. They There's a deluxe version that has the actual song Man on the Moon, which he had previously released on a mixtape, which is such an epic song as well. Love that song. And then also um, TGIF with Chip the Ripper and Is There Any Love with Wale. But such a fucking good album i just love this thing i really i really really do believe no matter what you think about this album that it did influence just music going forward and i don't even necessarily like all the stuff that it influenced but it it absolutely influenced music and i love how he split it up into all these acts which i thought was really cool just to the whole album experience too where it was act one was the end of day act two was rise of the night terrors act three was taking a trip act four was stuck and act five was a new beginning fucking epic that's that's what i gotta say what do you think mike well and you mentioned it a few times i'd be remiss not to throw it in but a kid named cuddy mixtape is also incredible incredible embrace the martian maui wowie 50 ways to make a record I mean, Maui Wowie. And then Man on the Moon, too. Is just, I have all these in my, my didn't make my list, but pains me to leave it out. 
and I will say Man on the Moon too. Coming out Weaver College. Just just so good to get fucked up to. Just a totally different feel. Kid Cudi's that that and, that and it was so good. So good. And like while I don't like two as much as I like one, it was I felt like it was almost underappreciated at the time because one was so big that people yeah. wanted like the next whatever level of that. But it had so two had unbelievable tracks too, and I yeah I fucking love that album, man. I it it did come out again. It came out like a year after Man on the Moon one. Yeah, so we were we were in the prime of college at this point. But uh, oh man, he just that run was insane. Yeah, and there's uh oh I wanted to say one more thing about Cuddy before I I hand it over to you is that so i actually saw cuddy i believe when he was performing for man on the moon 2 he did this free show sponsored by bacardi in new york city at terminal 5 and i went with one of my best friends uh, sadly who's who's not with us anymore but my friend andrew eldridge shout out andrew and uh we went to this this little sort of Kid Cudi show right literally five feet from the stage. I mean, it was insane. And he played all the bangers off both one and two. And he, I believe, played the song Man on the Moon, which at the time was my favorite song of his. And I freaked the fuck out. But uh, he crushed it. And you know who opened up for him, Mike? At that time, a, a very little known childish gambino wow yeah that's hilarious so, i know pretty funny but uh have you ever gone back show. and listened to any of those early childish gambino mixtapes yeah i personally like them i don't I, i'm way more into that than his new stuff personally whoa all right that's a separate hot take for <laughs> separate time all right we'll talk about that another time but that's my thoughts on on cuddy on man on the moon yeah i love that can't say anything bad about that all right my number one i i have a feeling we might have the same number one no there can't be i mean if it's if it's a certain someone well i know both of our number ones is going to be eminem 100 percent. but we don't have the same album right all right. Well, anyway, do you do you forget that fateful day in 2016? Uh the the birthplace of cigars and Schwartz, of course, and therefore the birthplace of Sherman International. Of five, five, uh, all right. Well, my number one is my favorite album of all time, Slim Shady LP. Me too. I, but was it wasn't it not going into that day? Like going, it wasn't day. going into that day, and that's what I will explain after you okay. explain some right. shady being. Well, we could do we could talk about this for an hour. I will try yeah. to. Uh, we did. I mean, we we know we can because we did. <laughs> we didn't uh, talk about it for an hour. We talked about it for three hours. Yeah. I mean, there's so, <laughs> goddamn, <laughs> there's just so much to say about this album specifically. I mean, okay, number one. Just painting the picture of what it was like when this album came out in 99. And we won't talk about Slim Shady EP. We've just gone forever. We won't talk about Infinite. Just Slim Shady LP, 1999. We were 
approaching 10 years old, right? Yes. This album, before you even heard it, it was like people were like sitting their kids down and telling them that they were never allowed to listen to this album. It was like the craziest thing. Like there had been stuff that was going on with rap music before, obviously, you know, and, and pocket and, and big dying didn't help at all for sure. But this album created a fear amongst parents like had never been seen before. Is that fair? Absolutely. And, and then go, was, go, go. Cause it was a white guy. Because it was a white guy, which is the next thing to say about it, that it literally broke the color barrier of rap. Absolutely. I mean, we don't, we're not going to talk about Vanilla Ice or any of these people. I mean, this was by far the biggest album from anybody white that had ever existed. And then when you actually listen to it, the, the lyricism right off the bat, I mean, again, there's, there's Infinite, which is great. And that's a separate issue. But really, the first thing that anyone's really heard of Eminem, the lyricism is insane. Unlike anything else that existed then, now, and ever will. Just the craziest, rawest, emotional, but fucked up, but undeniably, incredibly talented shit you've ever heard in your life. To this day, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, just listening to My Name Is, even now in 2020, is just such a joy that anyone could be that fucking good at anything. And then, obviously, it takes off from there. But, I mean, it it just blew everything else away. And in that sense, like you had said about Cuddy, and I'll say about some people in my honorable mentions, you know, Pac died in 96 big in 97 big l died in 99 this album was so important for where rap music could go and for just basically saving it that it's it's impossible to overstate how important and how good it is and i haven't even talked about any of the songs but but you go i'll pass it over to you no and i couldn't agree more with everything you just said and it's just you know you have this you have this white kid coming up dropping an album Honestly, leading into that, if you said, okay, this white guy named Eminem is just going to become the biggest rapper in the world right now, I would have laughed at you, you know, even a year before this album came out. And it just, the fact that, I I mean, I'm almost speechless because I'm like just trying to think about it and put it into words, but you know, sometimes to this day, even sometimes Eminem will get shit and he just, anyone that does not understand or does not agree with Eminem's just insane level of raw talent. I don't even under, I, I, I don't know where I just nothing for you. No, I don't know how to discuss rap with you because he's arguably, I mean, for me, he's the best lyricist of all time. And I just, some of the shit you see on this album, and then again, we'll slightly talk about the next couple albums, but Marshall Mathers LP and Eminem show, I mean, 
it's some of the most insane shit I've ever I've ever witnessed on record in my life. And and this album not only did it start it all, but I just it's the rawest and it's it's fucking mind blowing from start to finish. What Mike said in that you have this guy, he's telling stories, but he's also just saying some of the most fucked up shit you've ever heard in your life. And he's making you he's making you feel for him. He's also making you like he's got that shock value where you're like, holy fuck, this guy is fucked up. He's telling stories that are fucked up. I mean, look at guilty conscience. Absolutely fucking demented when you think about what he's actually talking about. At the same time, I mean, we'll get into that. But I don't know, Mike. I could go on and on about this fucking thing before even going into the tracks. So should we just talk a little bit about some of the tracks on this album? Let's let's do it. I mean, you start off with public service announcement, which just becomes... It obviously also is a thing on Marshall Mathers LP. Yeah. But it's an absolutely iconic opening to this album. And I think anyone that has ever listened to this album, you think about, or or Marshall Mathers LP, you think about the public service announcement at the beginning, you know? Yeah, there's a couple skits that, I mean, I'm just not that big of a skit guy. So like I could live without a few of them on this album, but there's also a few that are absolutely essential. I Pub- totally public agree. Public service announcement, bitch, obviously, and and lounge. I mean, of course. Of course, of course. And yeah, I mean, it's just an iconic way to open. You go straight in, first track, my name is. Does anything more need to be said? Is there an is there a more epic way that any rapper or maybe artist ever has essentially introduced themselves to the world. No, I mean, this was really the song that, yeah, like it literally, like I remember being in the car and having this song come on and obviously edited, right? So like you couldn't listen to Eminem on the radio anyway, because it was, it was not listenable, right? It just didn't work. No. Which isn't to say that I didn't, but like, this song came on and like I vividly remember being in the backseat, my parents turning it off and just being like, like, you can't listen to this. Like, and that's how you knew you had to listen to it. And then you would talk about it in gym class. Like it was just, God damn it. It was insane. And then he just rolls right into guilty conscience, which you're like, Oh, this is, this is why my parents don't want me to listen to this shit. For sure. Like, and Dre is so good in it, too. Been so long since we'd heard Dre, really. Absolutely. I mean, it really been since... I mean, it's sort of been since The Chronic. The yeah. Chronic, yeah. And it's like... Another incredible album, by the way. But... It's just... The, the back and forth they have on this, where they're telling a story to both... They're telling a story to the audience, but they're talking within the song to each other, arguing back and forth. I mean, it was genius at the time. It it hadn't really been done, you know? 
Yeah, it's almost a story song, but it's yeah. You're right. That's that's all you could say. It's it's genius. It's a totally genius concept, and obviously, they both kill it. And just sort of like where it goes with Eminem, just getting even crazier. I mean, you really don't cut this bitch's head off. I mean, what can you say? God damn it! You don't know where it's gonna go. It's like unpredictable. You're like, how's it gonna end? And then the direction it goes, you're like, oh fuck. Okay, we went that route. And and then goes right into brain damage, which in its own way is more fucked up, at least the same amount of fucked up. Yeah. But is I mean, where I would say brain damage is one of those songs where it's like if you want to complain about sort of the subject matter of the album, which people love to do, uh the the years of pain that it takes to write a song like Brain Damage is what's birthed this album, right? Absolutely. Yeah, obviously a lot of it's not happening, right? But it's the emotion of these terrible experiences that gets someone to write this shit. And this is the first song where you really fully understand that Eminem, we might have a storyteller on our hands here. For sure. And And, and my name is in Guilty Conscience, he's like... I mean, he is like Slim Shady, right? He's an untouchable sort of evil, like godlike character. And in Brain Damage, you're like, oh, this is a like an emotional person, right? Like this is this is a guy telling us part of his life story, and it's it's pretty sad. Yeah, and that's why it's right here with Brain Damage is where. As much as, you know, he says a bunch of fucked up shit in the song, but he's telling a story about his life, and it's one where you really feel for him. And this is, I think, the beginning of where people got so attached to Eminem. A part of it was you felt like you knew this guy's life and that he had been this guy that came from, you know, 8 Mile, came from the slums of Detroit and lived in a trailer park and you know, got picked on, but he overcame it. And now look, look, look who he is now. And man, brain damage always hit me hard. Brain damage is probably one of my favorites on the album. Like it's just so good. Such a good, again, you hear so much more from him on future albums about his life. And, and that's a big part of the personal connection to Eminem. But brain damage in his still fucked up slim shady way that he perfects on this album he tells us one of those stories yep and then of course you find you meet you meet paul rosenberg in the next track which is the skip paul who paul rosenberg's is 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 his manager and is it wait paul's his manager right am i fucking that up yeah he is yeah he is yeah um yeah, so Paul Rosenberg's his manager. We hear from him on a lot of them's albums and skits, but it's like this is sort of our intro to a bit of a recurring thing that happens on his albums. And it's great because even if you're not a big skit person, again, you're you feel like you know like Eminem's personal life through little shit like this. And yeah, I mean then it leads to if I had which 
I think is one of the more underrated songs of M's career, honestly. Not to say any of his shit's underrated. Yeah, but I, I, I feel you, though. I feel you. I was going to say. Yeah. It's less brought up than a lot of other songs on this album, and it's fucking great, I think. Agreed. Yeah. And it, it's it's there's a few, I don't know, probably three, maybe four songs from here on out that are all basically just fuck everybody. This being yeah. This being one of them for sure. And this one's got like this very slow sort of like down and out beat, which is it really works for the song. And yeah, this is a great song. Then we got 97 Bonnie and Clyde. The most fucked up song. Yeah, really fucked up song. Um, Really fucked up song. Do we even want to go into this one, Mike? Uh, Well, I mean, I love it. I think we should say that. It is super fucked up, but I think it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's a, it's great. It's fucked up. It again gives some major insight into the fucked up mind of Slim Shady. Yeah. In our in some future Eminem deep dive, we'll go deep into it. Yeah, we'll go again. So if you guys, I'm gonna do a little a slight detour here. If you've listened to our intro episode that explains how we started this podcast, it all started because of Eminem, essentially. Mike, myself, we went to, we met up in New York City one day and uh, in 2016, we were catching up. We went to a cigar bar and we sat around for about three hours. And instead of continuing to catch up, we decided, well, what would be better than just discussing Slim Shady LP, Marshall Mathers LP, and the Eminem show, track by track, to go through and decide which was our favorite of the three. Because I'd say, for me at least, I can say without question, those are my three favorite albums, rap albums of all time. Um, Obviously for this list, we couldn't use the same artist twice. So that is why there's only one of his albums on here. But... We went through, and I have to say, going into the talk, Eminem show was mine. I've listened to that one the most of any rap album ever, I'd say. And on certain days, I'd still say that's my favorite. On certain days, I'd say Marshall Mathers might be my favorite. But after going through them, I realized at this point in my life, Slim Shady LP is my favorite. Um, But that is what born birthed top fives and deep dives took us obviously a few years to get this thing up and running but we've been we've been forming ideas in our head and trying to get it going for for years since that day and finally finally we're here so we we give thanks to our our main man marshall mathers for that big big shout out Ned Sherman International in Manhattan, where this was wow. all birthed. Wow. Maybe um, we should leave it there. We could spend hours talking about all these tracks. But we could. Let's let's not even keep going. I'm just going to say that 
a couple of my faves that we haven't hit yet, and you could do the same if you'd like. But I love My Fault. I love Rock Bottom. As the world turns, I'm shady. Still don't give a fuck. All highlights for me. I mean, Role Model, too. They're all fucking amazing. Yeah. But, you know, it's... What's, if you, just give me... What's your favorite track on the album? You got to pick one. Jesus Christ. Uh, I have to pick... We won't hold you to this forever, but... I, I, if I had to pick one, it would be Rock Bottom. Okay. I'm going... I think I'm going I'm Shady. Ooh, okay. I like that pick. Yeah. That would be far you. down the list for me. I don't know why. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously, it's a great song. I just... It wasn't like... When you said that, I probably shuffled five or six in my head, and that wasn't one of them. Amazing. Yeah. I'd say my my other one that I would debate that with is Still Don't Give a Fuck. I love that track. Just such a goddamn good closer to an album too so fucking good i mean Mutiva. i mean you got i mean another inventive uh, song with you know we see royce 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 so much in his life it's unreal and still don't give a fuck obviously prefaces criminal on on marshall mathers but yeah this we'll save it for the eminem podcast that's inevitable one day bottom line Slim Shady LP. That's both of our favorite. What a fucking list, my friend. Wow. I can't believe I, I, yeah, I guess I forgot that we had gone in with Eminem show and come out with Slim Shady LP. I mean, for me, it was Slim Shady LP going in, but wow. I know. The, the unity at number one just makes me feel great inside. <sighs> me too. Should we. Should we just throw out a few honorable mentions or a bunch? Yeah. Give me a few of yours. All right. Uh, let's see. Method Man and Red Man, Blackout. Absolutely nice. amazing album. Serial Killer, one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, let's see. We did a general Kanye. We did a general Kid Cudi, which I think is probably fair. Um, I could do more of a, say, a general outcast. I think I landed on Stankonia being my favorite album because it f- just feels like the place that their kind of inventiveness led to their hits, like Miss Jackson and So Fresh, So Clean and Bombs of Robotic and blah, blah, blah. But if you said Equemini, you know, if you said AT Aliens, I wouldn't be mad at you. I'd probably say AT Aliens. Uh, Carter 2 and 3, No Ceilings Mixtape. In the same way that I feel like, okay, so Lil Wayne... Since 2008, a lot of things have happened. But I do feel like Kid Cudi and Lil Wayne in 2008, 2009, rap was kind of in a bad place. I I, I think people maybe don't recognize that enough because obviously there's talented artists in any era. But like really, it was missing a guiding influence for me. Like there was a lot of Bubba Sparks. And there was a lot of Soldier Boy. Like, no offense, but like, it was a bit lost, like, as a genre. It really was. I've been a lifelong fan, and I'm willing to admit it. Carter 3 was an absolute massive album that helped, and inventedness of Kid Cudi and Kanye as well. 
kept this thing going. I, I will always remember sort of those albums carrying us through. Mm-hmm. Maybe some lesser known ones. Uh, Ritz, White Jesus mixtape. Dom Kennedy from the West Side with Love mixtape. Uh, J. Cole, Cole World Sideline Story and Friday Night Lights mixtape. Same time. Uh, Lupe, The Cool. Oh, yeah. I'd have Cool and Food and Liquor on my honorable, honorable mentions for sure. Big Sean, Finally Famous 3 mixtape. Then Finally Famous album. Then Detroit mixtape. That little run there. Yeah, that's good. Go. Honorable mentions. Your turn. All right. I've just got a few more because, yeah, Lupe Lupe would be on my honorable mentions for sure. Food and Liquor really was a big one for me, and so was The Cool. Um, I'd say probably my biggest honorable mention for me that I really wanted to sneak in my top five, and I couldn't quite do it just for a couple reasons. Just, again, all the stuff that I did drop, I felt like really are big players in the rap hip-hop scene and just the, the replayability I've had on those albums for so many years. But really, really, really want to give a massive shout-out to one of my favorite hip-hop duos of all time, Blue Scholars. Um, one of my absolute favorites from college, you know, around probably, fuck, what was it? 2009, maybe it was. Um, it was, what year did I first get into them? Yeah, it was probably around 2008, 2009. But when did Oof come out? Like 2009? Oof came out in 2009. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and so did Bayani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the initial Blue Scholars album, the self-titled, came out in 2004 in Seattle, but then it came out, it had like a bigger release in 2005. So, but yeah, pretty much, first of all, shout out to one of my best friends, Elliot Morgan, for getting me into these guys because him and all his buddies up at Bates uh, College in Lewiston, Maine, they all fucking loved these guys. It's, it's this, uh, if you've never heard of them, it is a rapper named Geo or Prometheus Brown and a DJ producer named Sabzi. So it's, it's Sabzi and Geo make up the Blue Scholars. They're from Seattle. Really, really big in the Seattle scene up there. But they just, they have very, uh, very much like, very like political conscious hip hop, but just a very chilled out feel to their music. And it's, I, I think they're unbelievable. I think they absolutely deserve more notoriety than they have. But yeah, they've done a lot of different shit too. So they, they I'm just going to do a real quick Blue Scholars thing. We'll do a deep dive on them one day. But they have their first two albums. Well, well, okay. They have their first album, which is a self-titled Blue Scholars. Probably their most famous in a sense in that I'd say front to back now that I've removed from them from for so long and like listen to their shit a lot. Probably the one I listen to the most with like the most bangers on it. No rest for the weary Sagaba, uh, the Av, some real big tracks on there. But 
Then they have Bayani, which came out in 09. Another fucking amazing album. Check out 50K Deep, Joe Metro. I mean, there's so many songs, but I'm just going to drop a couple. But then they put they put out EPs throughout their career. They had the Long March EP in between those two albums. But then they had the Oof EP in 2009, which was crazy. It was like, it was very much... It was it was influenced by pretty much a trip they took to Hawaii, and it's such a different feel from all their other stuff. It's it's awesome. But then they pretty much their last album that's come out to this day. They they didn't break up, but they just haven't put out anything in a long time. It was in two thousand eleven. This album, Cinematropolis, that really did feel like you were getting, you were essentially being played. I mean, not like a. I don't know how to describe it, but it was totally different. They they called it like a visual soundtrack. And all the song titles are names. And it's just, or most of them. And it's just very, it definitely has like a cinematic feel to it. I don't even, again, we're not doing, I'm not doing a Blue Scholars deep dive, so I'll stop there. But bottom line, these guys are fucking awesome. I really wanted to include them on the list they're definitely my highest ranked honorable mentions, but I check out Blue Scholars, the the self titled record, and I check out Bayani and, to start with that. And even if you don't like those records, I challenge anyone in the world to put on Oof and not just have the best time. The best time. Put on the song Cruise. I mean, we'll or new, new people. So goddamn good. So good. You you just feel like you're fucking chilling on the island having the best time with your friends. I mean, it's cruising with your crew. I mean, God damn cruising with my cruising with my cruising with my crew driving with my feet. Yabba dabba do incredible. Check it out. And then my one other honorable mention would be uh devil's night D 12. I, you would. Wow. I love that album. I didn't consider it for the top five just because I already had Eminem on there and I felt like it was a bit of a cheat. Yeah. But it is in it is definitely in my top ten. I love, love, love that album. So I'd say that's it for me. I feel pretty good about this. Me too. Me too. I mean, except two chains, but you know. Oh dare you. <laughs> so good. I was gonna put some, I was gonna put some Gucci bait on here too, but I was like, wait, I can't go too deep into it. Wow. Uh, wow. It doesn't qualify for... T- anyway, yeah. Listen to Gucci Mane. I love you, Gucci Mane. Unreal. Should we uh, Should we do a quick bonus top five? Let's, yeah, let's hit him with a little bonus top five. So, so I know, I know yeah, we ahead. talked about a few, but I think let's... Uh, we going to do Mario Kart levels? Mario Kart levels. Let's do it. Yeah, so wow. bonus top five. Uh, we'll throw these in every now and then. They will have nothing to do with movies or music or TV or what we normally talk about. Something totally random. If you've listened this far in the podcast, little random bonus. So favorite Mario Kart levels, and this is obviously only talking about the N64 version, the only version that matters. Honestly, normally I invite people to hit us up and tell us why we're wrong, but no. This is the only Mario Kart. 
If you come at me with Super <laughs> Nintendo, maybe. But like, just stop after that. This is Mario. If Kart. you if you come at me with oh oh, how about like the Wii version and shit? Get the fuck just out of here. Stop it. Just stop. So I'm gonna start this one off. How's that okay, sound? Let's do it. Alright, my number five Mario Kart level is Wario Stadium. So that is on my list. Wow. So when I first got this game back in, you know, the later nineties, mid nineties, whatever it was, this was one of, if not my favorite, levels. It's just like it's the long it's one of the longest levels. It you're sort of on what you would think of as like a dirt bike path. And there's, of course, the part where everyone was hoping they would get a fucking lightning so that they could shrink you right before Such you went over the jump. Move. Such a dick move, but it had to be done. And, you know, there's the shortcut right at the beginning if you go into the left side of the wall just the right way and jump, and then you tumble over the wall. There's a bunch of fucking crazy shit in this level, but it just as kids, I remember really crushed it because of the length of it, because of that part where you could fuck people up with the lightning. And it just, it's, I think even if it's not in certain people's top fives, it's one of the most iconic and memorable levels from the game. Yeah. It's, Okay, this isn't part of our top five, but where's this might be too much for you to do on the fly. I know I'm asking you a tough question here, but where does star rank in your overall cups? It's my number two. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll save some of what I'm going to say about Wario, but it's besides the jump, really, it's one for the purists. You know, it's a track. It's a racetrack, a dirt track long it's not easy to get people with with turtle shells there's a lot of corners that last corner is a doozy and it's just yeah just to open star cup just sets a whole other tone really fucking love it it's unbelievable unbelievable what's your number five my number five is actually going to potentially cause a pronunciation controversy i don't think we've ever talked about this before it's what I would call Frap Snowland. Ooh. Do you call it Frappe? Does it, I don't know. I call it I call it Frap. Okay, I call it Frap. All right. My number five is Frap Snowland. Dude. I, go. Go in you know, you go into it. You go into All right. it. Alright. So Frap is another one. Um it's it's there's not too much going on pretty straightforward it has a jump but like no one ever falls there basically you know it's got the incredibly iconic driving through the snowman otherwise it's just a bunch of sort of tight turns but really uh to be clear i love frap also on extra but that's a separate note really what's great about frap is the end you're just in the longest tunnel and the only thing you should be doing during the, the first two laps is just loading that bitch up with decoys, bananas, green turtle shells, making it a goddamn minefield to get through at the end. And then the end, when you come out of there, classic rookie mistake, how you know you separate the men from the boys, people overturning 
and just driving right off the bridge while they see the finish line and just ending their race while you blow past them. Just, just a great moment. <laughs> How often do people do that? So, so much. And it's because you're not even, and the funny part is like, you're not even in an, a covered tunnel. You're just yeah. in like a tunnel with high walls. Yes. Yeah. And it's like people just come out immediately, just go into the fucking water off the bridge. You just get aggressive with your with your drifting, and you just boom right off the bridge. Unbelievable! And dude, that's so so okay. You going with Frap Snowland? I have to say, it's not it's not on my top five, but I I debated it because I think it's arguably the most underrated level in the game. Definitely, no one ever talks about it, but I enjoy it so much. Same. I enjoy it a lot more than the other, um, what is it, Sherbet Land? Sherbet Land, Agreed. I think it's called. Yeah, Sherbet. Yeah, is, eh, it's just fine. Yeah, it's especially yeah, it, it's just fine. And you know, I'm a big fan. Like you just heard me say, Star Cup's my second favorite cup, and I, I think it's a weak spot in that cup. Whereas I think Frap Snowland is the absolute one of the highlights of the flower cup and just so underrated. Wait, is mushroom great, your great. favorite cup? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I go, I go mushroom star, special flower, uh, special flower. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Oh my gosh. love that we're on the same page. Uh, <laughs> all right. Number four. All right. So my number four is Moo Moo farm. And I'll tell you why, Mike, so back in the day, I actually didn't love Moo Moo Farm as a kid. But as you get older, there's one thing that I always say to people when I play Moo Moo Farm. And that is, it is probably the only race in the game that I truly think is anyone's game anytime you play it. Well, it's so short. It's you can't, it's hard to come back. And it's, it's also just the way that it's set up with, you know, the little like fucking gophers yeah. coming out with, and then if people shoot shells, it's like, they're going to get you in some capacity. You know, when you shoot off the green shells, it's like, they're bouncing around the place the whole fucking time. If you fuck up, anyone can pass you in a, in a bl blink of an eye, especially on that final stretch where you have to pretty much come around the corner, go under that sort of bridge with the pillars coming down from it. And then through the finish line, it's truly anyone's game. And I, I'd always laugh with, you know, one, one of my best friends in the world, David Kramer, shout out, shout out to Kramer. Peaches and Kramer. Uh, shout out. Peaches and Kramer. Shuck a duck. He never was good. Shuck a duck. He is not a Mario Kart player. So he's not great at Mario Kart, but he'd always try. He's a big video game guy. And we would always play it, always beat him. And he always would consider me and our other friend, Elliot, the best Mario Kart players ever. Elliot, you know, he's the best, I got to say. He's even better than me. And I'm pretty fucking good at, at Mario Kart. But Elliot came to visit us in Los Angeles once, and we were playing. And he'd never, ever in his life... You know, we've been friends since elementary school. Never had beaten me or Elliot. And he finally, after many, many races while Elliot was on this visit, beat us at, at Moo Moo Farm and fucking lost his mind. 
to this day, he does not let us live it down. That's hilarious. As we always have said, that we always play that with people that maybe aren't as good at the game because it's fun because it's anyone's game. And what's not to love about a level that is exciting every time because you never know who's going to win. And it's it really tests how much risk you want to take going through those goddamn gophers. You can sweep wide. Absolutely. You can just sweep wide and avoid them if you want to. You know, catch a turtle shell around the way, and you're still in the race. But, you know, you, you do want to go right through and just hope for the best. Absolutely. And it's absolutely All tragic when you clip yourself on the bridge on, like, the last lap, and you think you're going to go through, and you just get stuck, and you have to re- – it's impossible to get out of there. Fuck that. Or just when someone has a fucking a mushroom and then just speeds past you at the last second or just has a lightning at the last Ugh. second or a star at the last second. Ugh. Even on 150, the computer can get you in that final straightaway. You've got to be Absolutely. You've got to be really Who was my number seven, so I feel you. Wow. Wow. What's your number four? My number four is DK's Jungle Parkway. Ooh, such love a it. fun race. So fun. I mean, the jump is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, dodging the ferry. The again, a, a test of really where you want to go with it, how far you want to go forwards, whichever direction that is. If you're playing, you know, forward or backwards. Uh, you know, in front of where you're actually supposed to go, because no one should just go straight off that jump. That's a rookie move. <laughs> then you come around you don't want to get hit by coconuts you get hit by a couple of coconuts in a row they make you spin out then everyone gets funneled into the bridge tremendous place to lay all kinds of traps oh my and god then, tremendous. you know no matter what you've got to decide how far up the hill you're going to cut that turn because of course you're not going around the turn no one's ever done that and if you have a mushroom or a star right there i mean you can cut a lot of time off so many close finishes at the end of dk jungle parkway so many close mm-hmm. ones oh and god forbid you cut it too tight choice. and you can't make it up the hill and you just see everyone passing you and your whole race is over. Oh. absolute tragedy there is some absolute heartbreak frustration and screaming on dk jungle it's parkway. horrible it's really horrible when you fuck it up or if someone catches you like with a star when you're on the bridge and you go flying over. Ugh. Oh my god, oh my god. The worst. Ugh. Completely just dashes all your dreams of victory. It's not it's just not gonna happen for you. No. No. Well, that's a great number four. Number three. Go. My number three is Royal Raceway. Ooh. Okay. So maybe maybe a little bit of a sneaky pick, but I have always loved this track. It's a straight-up racetrack. It's got some really dangerous turns where if you you know, if you're either not good at drifting or if somebody just hits you the wrong way, if you get hit by a shell, you're in the water. You've got the le- the most legendary jump in the game in my opinion. Um, I mean, literally, you just fly so high, go so fast, 
and just land down right near Peach's castle. How can you not love that? Little 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 drive by the castle. And that ending bit of turning is so fucking intense. You have to be perfect to do it or just like go across the grass, yeah. but do yeah, it in yeah, the right yeah. way where you don't fall into the water. I just think it's such a fun race. And again, I, I pretty much think. Yeah, I like that it's just a normal racetrack, but that I feel like there are some big obstacles and it has that really cool jump, which you don't have anything like that in any of the other tracks. And the first hard turn can also catch you off guard if you're not a familiar player. It's it's like a full 180 degree turn. It's very tough. And it's a good track. How good is it? if you can convince somebody that they should take a right at Peach's castle and it's a shortcut as you just, oh my God, it's oh my been God. done so many times and you feel bad later, but goddamn, it feels good in the moment. But it feels so good in the moment. Classic trick been done since the nineties. Amazing. I have number, my number six is Mario raceway, which was like my, it's a regular racetrack feel. Yep. I I love. Oh wait, no. You know what? I don't love Mario Raceway to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. I like Luigi Raceway. Luigi Raceway, the very first track? in Mushroom, the very first track. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I mean, all right. And I'll tell you why again. It's just it's it's truly just anyone's fucking game. You just got to be good at this game. Good at drifting. It's so simple. Many would call it boring. It's not in my top five. Yeah, but I, yeah, like I it agree. A lot. And you, you got to be careful not to overdrift there because the sand will get you. But yeah, if yep, you get a mushroom or a star and you cut through that sand again, you can you can make up 10, 15 seconds easy. Uh, so all right. True. So my number three, I think, will be in your top five. Koopa Troopa Beach. Oh, it's in my top. Okay. It's, I mean, so, you you know, you have Luigi, very straightforward. You have Moo Moo, which is straightforward in sense. I mean, you can't get into too much trouble. There's basically just gophers. Then Koopa is where you start hanging with the big boys. And really where you test your skills. Because if you cannot make the shortcut jump without a mushroom, you need to go home. You can't, you can't hang. That's that is the test. If you don't do that, get out. A hundred percent. I mean, that's where we know. 100%. Or if you try to go off the big jump over the rock, I have no idea what you're doing. I, I you just just lose my number. That's where look. That's where the boys become that's right. men. And I mean, the jump is. I I have played this level so many times, even just by myself trying to like get a new record time because it's like how fast can you do it with the drifting perfectly executing the jump it's just it's got everything a good mario kart level should have it has it has sort of a trick aspect to it which is that shortcut then also though you just have to you have to be a perfectionist and also mike are you a do you go left or right at the first the first little turn i 
I'd say 70% of the time I go right. Bro, it's all about the left. I, I'm, I'm not totally convinced of that. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm sort of fucking with you, but not totally. I, I do each. It's, it's up for debate. It's up for debate for sure. Let us know. Let us know um, what you guys think. But, oh man, what a great, what a great. And track. that feeling, that uh, feeling when you make the last turn and you see that the tide is rolling out. Oh, just so good. And you don't hit into the crabs. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can get the last crab and spin through the finish line. I don't mind that, but absolutely, yeah, it's just so good. Also, is there any feeling more gratifying than just lapping someone on that? Oh, it feels so good. And it's so easy to do if they're so not good. doing the shortcut. I know. The I only know. thing that's maybe just as satisfying is when you catch a star and you destroy a palm tree. That just feels great. That's fucking true. So great. So great. I always like I always like having like holding a banana behind me when I go for that jump because I feel like it just it gives you a little extra speed. It's it's also devastating if you can drop a banana on the on the ramp. It, oh. What could fuck up a oh, person's it just feels day more horrible. Than that. You're coming around, you got you know all the jumps blocking your view on the right. Then you you know you start to line it up and you see a, a decoy or a banana, ugh, just horrible. Horrible. It's a great number three. What's yours? My number yeah. two. I gave yeah, you yeah, my three two. already. But my number two is Bowser's Castle. I know you love Bowser's Castle. Love. I am a massive fan of this level. I think maybe only beaten by Banshee Boardwalk in difficulty. I was about to ask you that. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Banshee's the hardest. Bowser is the second. Yeah, because they both operate on sort of... Well, actually, I'd say Bowser's operates... Somehow, it just feels like you're going faster than any other level in Bowser's. Have you noticed yes. that? But it, it also feels and like sometimes if you get the overheating N64, which I know you have one, Bowser is the one that gets uh-huh. the worst of it somehow. Like you go super fast. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, so it's like there's that. And then there's so much going on in this level. You have the fucking stone face guys like coming across the the walkways you have to go through that little that open bridge in the middle of the castle that if you fall off you go in the lava you turn right after that is very tricky then through that go down the stairs go out very tricky you have to be expert to maneuver a lot of this shit and that's what i think so fun about it is someone that plays the game a lot it's one of the more challenging but also very fun because if you can master it it's a fucking great feeling and yeah, I think it's I think it's an incredibly fun level with a lot of obstacles and a lot of opportunity to just I mean, there, to me, there's not many better feelings than just perfectly drifting and just missing one of the stone heads falling down, like crushing you because you just slide under in the nick of time. It's definitely the pros it's race. Just, the only reason it's not on my list is because yeah. 
that feeling of elation you're talking about is mostly there because the feeling of frustration when you get hit, even when it's not your fault, by one of the many obstacles, just absolutely brutal. Like if someone catches you oh my God. with a star or drops a banana in front of you on that bridge, it's just, oh, it hurts so bad. Agreed. Agreed. And oh, I'd say the same for Banshee. Banshee just kills <laughs> me all the fucking times you fall off. Insane. But what's your number two? My number two is Yoshi Valley. Wow. Amazing pick. Almost made my top five, but just missed it. I mean, right off the bat, you can't see who's winning. It's the only level that does that. It's it's a very cool uh, little gimmick to this one episode. Then this one, I think we'll agree, there's a very precise order of turns. It is is not Mm -hmm. up for debate. It is right, left, right. That is how it goes. 100%. You have no business ever falling off here. That's if you fall off here, that's your own fault. You know, then you get the major obstacle leading into the bridge, uh, which is pretty easy if you sort of know where to go. Bridge, very tight, great for laying any kind of traps right at the end of the level, which is devastating because there's no way to catch up in that next little part at no. all. It it's just it's just a fun race. The stakes are pretty high, but there's not too many places where you'll actually fall off. It's just one that the better you are at racing, the more fun it is to race. It's there for Absolutely. the taking. It's like a it's like a juicy little par five, you know? You know you can you can burn it. Ooh, Maybe even eagle ooh. it on some days. Dude, I, I'm fully with you and on any given day, honestly, that could be my number four or five in my top five. It's it's right there. Definitely, you know, my first honorable mention probably would be in the number six slot given how I ranked them. But uh yeah, that's that's just a great level. So we've gotten down to the end. And uh well I think we know what each of ours are, but I'll just go ahead and give a quick little something. So my number one is Koopa Troopa Beach. To me, they're just, it's its the greatest level in, I mean, race game history. It's just the amount of hours I have spent playing just this level. I cannot, I can't, I can't even comprehend it. So there's no way I can even fully relate it to you guys, but it's, it's insane. It's, I love it. It's got everything. We already talked about it. The jump, the shortcut, it's everything. And by the way, Mike, I was trying to appease you a little bit earlier. It's, you got to take the left turn at the beginning. I trust me. I, I know that you do that. I'm just not totally sure. I'm just not 100% <laughs> sure. Look, we're going to leave it to the listeners. Tell all, us. You go all left these or right. years, I still want to believe that right can win. Hey, you know, you want to believe it, but sometimes the truth hurts. I can't accept it. I'm not ready. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> All right. So I'm guessing your number one is Warrior Stadium. Stadium. It's wow. just, you know, I, I think we both have some affinity for like the actual track, like sort of road ones. This is the dirt version of that. It's, it's. Mm-hmm. 
personally, I feel that Rainbow Road is too long. I honestly, I don't love playing it, especially since it's the last race and it's just easy to like go do something else. It's a great track, but like it's just a, a hair too long for me. And Wario is that perfect one. It's a bit, a bit of a marathon. You know, there's you can't really fly off except for that one place you have to watch out for. It's just so many sharp turns that feel just so, so good when you cut them on your drift, like just perfectly. It's, you know, there's jumps. If you, you feel like a goddamn motocross star, it's just incredible. I mean, how can you argue with that? Koopa Troopa and Wario Stadium above topping each of our lists. Uh, argue with us, because I don't think you can. Yeah. But I want to say real quick, Mike. Who's who's your who's your driver? Well, of I choice? think everybody's driver of choice is Yoshi. And if it's not, then get the I fuck out of here. I will say that my second driver of choice is not Toad. Okay. Which is a hot take. Who's yours? It's it's Peach. I don't think that's oh, okay. that bad of a take. Right. I think I think it's undisputed. You cannot dispute the fact that the three fastest drivers in the game are Yoshi, Toad, and Peach. And arguably, Peach might be the fastest. And for instance, my buddy Elliot, he own best best player personally I've ever seen in the game. He only uses Peach. Um, of course, unless somehow there's some fucking event that makes that not possible. But yeah, I'm a Yoshi guy as well, like Mike. I'd say my second cho- my second choice is either Toad or Peach. Um, my sort of dark horse is I randomly I, I could randomly get down with Luigi. Do you ever go no, big? Yeah. Like sometimes I'll race with Wario just to see what it's like, but you have to race in a totally different yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, totally different way. And I fucking hate Wario. So it's like it's hard for me to do that. Wait, what did Wario ever do to you, man? He's got the best race. Yeah, but he's a fucking he's a dick. Wow. I don't like him. He's always Yeah, I don't like Wario. I wouldn't be mad if it was Waluigi you, Wario. instead. I can tell you that. Totally. I mean, Waluigi and Mario best, Tennis is a fucking Mario legend. Tennis character. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very quick. Top of your head. Not thinking at all. Top five Mario Tennis characters. Uh, DK Jr. is def- definitely my number one. Waluigi, number two. Um, ooh. After that, I'd probably go regular Luigi. Um, I love this list. Ooh, I got it. I'm trying to think who else is in there. Give me, give me one sec. Um, who else do I love? Um, I'd say rounding that out, I'd go. I'd go Boo and Ooh, this is tough, my friend. 
I think I'd go Yoshi, but but maybe I'd go regular DK. But I'm gonna I'll go. I'll say Yoshi just because I have such an affinity for Yoshi. Our lists are so so similar. My number one is Waluigi. Wow. Number two, DK Junior. Number three, Boo. Wow. Number four, regular Luigi. Number five, Daisy. Wow. Oh, Daisy's a good choice. Daisy's yeah, that's a good one. Um. Wow, dude. Our our lists are quite similar. People sleep on regular Luigi absolutely sleep so on him i mean obviously you want waluigi or dk jr but if you can't have him luigi's i'm happy i'm still happy absolutely also first of all that was an epic spontaneous top five but i just have to say honorable mention in mario kart shout out to the fucking battle levels and shout out specifically to block fort i have to say one thing that drives me nuts about mario kart Especially since I live in England and not in LA with you. Uh huh. You, I want to battle with just computers. No, I, I no, want to never. be able to do that. Yeah, it just drives me nuts. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, I feel you. I totally feel you. Um, also, oh man! Very quick shout out to Baby Mario. Doesn't make my top five, but. <laughs> I'm just glad that he gets to see his table. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh god, I hate playing against Baby Mario. Um, I think we definitely dude. did it this time. Yeah, what a top five. What a day. And I also want everyone to know, today, the day that we are recording this podcast, which is september 9th of 2020 september 9th 2016 four years ago today was the day that mike and i met in new york city and came up with the idea for this podcast god damn so quite the anniversary and the only way to celebrate is to talk about our favorite rap albums and then talk about some mario, wow, kind of mario we fans. did it i feel great about this bang bang me too well hey if you want to argue with us about all of our choices today you can email us at top fives and deep dives at gmail.com or you can find us on instagram at top fives and deep dives and uh we'll see you guys next time see ya peace